It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Hi there, and welcome to the Speedway Show. Today, the topic of our conversation is excellence in education. And to help me talk about that, and this is actually part of our career profile series, to help me talk about that is esteemed assistant dean of the University of St. Thomas College of Business, which is called the Opus College of Business, Bill Woodson. Bill, welcome to the Speedway Show. Speedway, thank you for the invitation. A pleasure to be here. So let's start with a little bit about the University of St. Thomas. Okay. Well, the University of St. Thomas is uh, the Minnesota's largest private uh, university. We uh, opened our first graduate business program in uh, 1974, so we're also one of the uh, oldest schools of uh, graduate business education. We're also the only private university that has uh, AACSB accreditation, which is a specialized business accreditation, uh, and we have one of the largest business programs in the state with uh, over 1,300 graduate business students currently. I went to a high school uh, called the Dominican Convent, Mm. and it was run by German Catholic nuns. Mm -hmm. One of the stigmas associated with that school, and I actually went to law school at the University of Dayton, which is another private Catholic university. And the stigma is these schools must surely be extremely conservative, Uh, very parochial, and they must also be, worst of all, very expensive. Hmm. Is that something that the University of St. Thomas deals with, and uh, is it true? Okay. I think absolutely there's a perception that uh, a Catholic institution is going to be more conservative and perhaps uh, private institutions are going to be more expensive. I think those are misperceptions to some extent, I think especially around the the latter. we, I think, very much value uh, service to the community, and we very much value breadth of perspective. And so we actively attract students from all political backgrounds, all ethnic backgrounds. Uh, we have a very large international community uh, that's a part of the the, uh, the college as a whole, and particularly in the, the business school, the full-time program especially. There's also a lot of... Uh, engagement with the community and with the outreach and a lot of the students that we attract are students who have a special interest in issues like uh, uh, the environment, in community justice, and in uh, ethics, as well as the traditional business disciplines of marketing and finance and accounting. What other disciplines are at the University of St. Thomas besides this happens to be the graduate college of business too. Is this is this for graduate students? Do I understand that? We have actually uh, one of the largest uh, undergraduate business programs in the state as well. Our, we have a, a 105 full-time tenure-track faculty uh, who serve both the undergraduate business and graduate business programs. In addition to the undergraduate program uh, business, we have a total of seven different graduate business programs. Four of those graduate business programs are MBA programs. So we have the evening MBA program, which is a part-time program. It's our largest and probably best-known graduate business program. It's also our oldest graduate business program that started in 1974. But we have three other 
MBA programs. One of them is a full-time program. It's fairly new. It started in 2003, uh, and it's quickly establishing a reputation for itself, not only for excellence in terms of graduate op options in the state, but also increasingly around the country. We also have three non-MBA graduate business programs, a master's in business communications, a master's in real estate, and we also have a master's in accountancy. Besides business, what other graduate programs do you have at the University of St. Thomas? Well, almost too many to count. I think the show might not be long enough to, to, really? to count them all, but we have uh, masters in everything from engineering to theology to uh, uh, software programming uh, to a wide range of options uh, in graduate education, including the Doctor of uh, Education uh, for Leadership, for, uh, educa for uh, uh, educational uh, leadership, and for just a wide range of things, psychology. Uh, so we have a pretty broad offering. We're a comprehensive uh, university. Why St. Thomas? What is the value of a St. Thomas education compared to anywhere else that I might go to if I was thinking of coming to school? Well, you know, I think a lot of times people feel like, uh, and I'm going to speak more specifically around the MBA options because that's what I'm most familiar with, but we can also touch on other areas as well. I think a lot of times people think about graduate business education and they think about either a small select group of very large programs that uh, typically are uh, in very large institutions and don't offer a lot of personalized engagement and are perhaps don't even have that space for uh, connecting on a personal basis with the faculty that don't have a sense of collegiality and sort of shared purpose uh, or they have an option of maybe very small uh, business programs that maybe don't really have uh, the breadth and depth of the curriculum or the credentialing of the faculty or the recognition uh, on, on a national basis. And I think that St. Thomas really offers the best of both worlds. We have a program that is, uh, the class sizes are very small and intimate. We have uh, typically 30, 35 students per class in uh, the uh, full-time MBA program. And uh, students have a chance to get to know their faculty on a, uh, on a uh, the faculty often you know, know the names of all the students and they may give out as addition to uh, an email address, a home phone number for, for, you know, because we have that level of interaction between the faculty and the students. I noticed that as we were coming up, there were people who saw you and they were able to recognize you on a face by on a name basis and you knew who they were. Yeah, it's, 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 I think it's what makes this program special is that we really do value that personal connection with our, our students and uh, we encourage that sense of community amongst the students as well. And uh, I think at one point we had a, a, uh, an, uh, uh, an advertising campaign that I still think distinguishes what makes us special. We talk about get connected and we talk about uh, competing things or themes or things that seem to compete, uh, to, to uh, conflict, like uh, we talk about compete or collaborate. Well, how can you connect those two? We talk about get connected, connect those uh, ideas of learning how to be prepared for a competitive marketplace, but learn how to collaborate with your colleagues and eventually with your coworkers. And I think that makes our program a little bit different. And our employers who hire our students say the same, that they find students that are well-prepared in the, in the primary disciplines, that uh, have practical experience, are sharp, are, uh, communicate well, 
but also that have a different sense, that bring a sense of, uh, of valuing teamwork and, uh, and uh, having a spirit of collaboration. And I think that's one of the things that makes our program and our students special. I chose the title of this show because of your mission. What is the mission of the College of Business? Our, our mission is excellence in educating highly principled global business leaders. And that really speaks, every word of that uh, mission is, is really very important. Uh, we talk about excellence because just good enough is, is not good enough. And we really want to, uh, I think, in how we execute our program, we really strive for, for true excellence in everything that we do, and we encourage our students to tr strive for that excellence as well. And we talk about highly principled global business leaders, uh, highly principled uh, professionals who will be comfortable making hard choices and making choices that reflect not only the, the wisdom from their disciplines in the marketing, finance, uh, operations, human resources, accounting, but also reflects their, their personal values. And I think that that's something that the business world sometimes, uh, in the past, especially as we look at Wall Street and Enron and uh, Global Crossings and these various just uh, failures to uh, remember that while pursuing sustainable business models, one also has to look at creating value that uh, really is meaningful as well and that there are ethical considerations that must be considered even in every decision and that sometimes short-term profitability isn't uh, the uh, only goal. How do you teach ethics? How do you inculcate this idea of principle and ethics into the curriculum, into the way of thinking of the students here? Well, that's a great question. And I think we approach it from multiple levels, uh, teaching ethics. So we have, as a part of the core curriculum for every single one of our graduate business programs, a required course in ethics. We also have in the full-time MBA program an ethics lab, in addition, that gives a chance for some practical experiential learning based on the principles uh, and ethical frameworks that they learn in the program. But beyond that, we really try to uh, inculcate uh, ethical perspective across the curriculum, and particularly in the core courses, virtually every course, accounting, marketing, uh, st statistics, we think about the and discuss the, the values and ethics of decisions and, uh, and how ethical principles and challenges can be embedded. We always talk about, uh, for example, people always say, oh, you know, statistics, you can lie with statistics. So we'll take a case and we'll process that ethics, uh, that statistics case and look at how numbers are being used to maybe communicate the health of a business or to develop a, a decision around a, a business challenge. And then after talking about the mechanics of that uh, case, we'll talk about the ethical considerations of utilizing data that maybe was uh, drawn in a way that is technically correct but might lead to an incorrect uh, conclusion. This is something I think is special about our program. Give me an example of a fact pattern or a fact scenario that the students might have to consider. Well, one of the cases, and they actually experience this in the, uh, in the first week of class, actually even before class starts, we have what we call launch week. It's an orientation. And we give them a series of short cases around a mythical uh, business program. And we 
engage them in discussing and reflecting on issues that business students are often uh, faced with. And we position it as a, as a marketing and branding case. And we talk about uh, the impact on the university's brand of this mystical college. Uh, if a student accepts a job offer and then gets a better offer two weeks or three weeks later and then reneges on that first acceptance of, a, of an offer, then we talk about uh, what happens if uh, there's cheating in the, in, the, in the class and a, 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 a test gets out and is circulated amongst the students and many students maybe use that test to improve their test scores and we talk about the impact on the school's brand, we preach it from a marketing perspective, but then we take them back through that material and talk about now what happens to the reputation of the school if a recruiter comes to a school and in good faith interviews a number of candidates finds a candidate that they want to have work for their company, extends an offer, and then turns that offer down because they got a few thousand more at another company. We understand what happens for that particular individual at that moment in time. Now they have a better paying job. But what happens to the reputation of the school? How does that recruiter going to feel about coming back to that school to recruit next year? What happens uh, for the classmate in that person's class who maybe would have been considered for that job if they had the chance to, uh, to to compete for it if that job hadn't been consumed by this person who then turned the, then the opportunity down. To get them to think more broadly about their actions and how their behavior and their personal brand is tied to the brand of the university. And now this is the part where we get to talk about you and your career. So for all of you in college, high school, wondering how can I be down how do I get a career like this? Tell us about your path and how did you get to this prestigious institution? Well, no one could have ever convinced me that uh, I would be finding a career in academia. My mother was a high school chemistry teacher and I saw how hard she worked and I saw how modest the compensation was, and I said, I'm, I've got to find something that's going to be easier and better paying than that. You know what, both my parents were teachers, and I thought the same thing. I thought, she's in the, in the summertime, she's working. In the wintertime, she's working. Every holiday, she's working. My dad's working, too. And I'm looking at how we're struggling, and I'm thinking, gee. <laughs> I, I, I can do better than that. I, <laughs> yeah. And I actually uh, have come to academia fairly recently. It's been really with my joining St. Thomas's uh, leadership team in 2007 that I've made that step. But the largest part of my career has actually been in the corporate world. I worked for three different Fortune 500 companies over a 19-year period of time, and I prepared myself for that career with an MBA degree uh, that I earned at Michigan back in the 80s. And actually, prior to that, I also uh, had a uh, right after college, I pursued a uh, Degree in master, uh, a master's degree in city and regional planning, because I was going to be a public servant and I was going to change the world, make it a better place uh, through uh, serving in the public sector. And where did you get that degree? I went to uh, Harvard's Kennedy School of Government, and uh, that was back in the 79, 80, 81 time period. I actually had a summer internship in the uh, governor's office in Trenton, New Jersey, and uh, worked in uh, legal services as a as an internship during my time at uh, the Harvard Kennedy School as well. So here's the thing that I always wonder. 
because you know everybody touts the value of the Ivy League education and how you know if you go to Harvard you are guaranteed to have a salary that's you know off in the cloud somewhere <laughs> and I have always wondered so now that you went through that was that Harvard name instrumental in the rest of your career is that why if 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 I came from the University of Dayton, uh, could I end up with a career at the University of St. Thomas? Oh, my goodness, absolutely yes. And I actually talk about uh, my time at Harvard, which, not to bash uh, one of the world's great educational institutions, but uh, I have uh, also a very fine undergraduate uh, degree and experience, and uh, I'm a very passionate uh, supporter of Brown University, which is where I got my undergraduate degree. And I'm also a pretty active uh, alum, a uh, very active alum, I'd say, at, at, of, of Michigan in the business school. But the Harvard degree is definitely a door opener. It wasn't really the experience that uh, really uh, changed or supported my, my, my success. And frankly, I earned, spent two years earning the degree and then spent two and a half years in the field that that degree prepared me for before recognizing that that wasn't the career for me, that wasn't the path for me, and I went back to school to get my MBA. So two years of educational expense, two and a half years of work experience, building off of that educational uh, expense, not necessarily the ROI that I was hoping for. And that's become actually part of my story. Again, it's definitely a degree that opens doors. Everyone knows the Harvard name. But uh, my Michigan degree in business has really been what supported my uh, the balance of my career, 19 years, as I said, in corporate, and then uh, consulting for uh, three years. My corporate experience was actually also fairly varied. Uh, 11 years was with uh, computer companies. I worked at uh, Hewlett-Packard and Compaq Computer for uh, a total of 11 years, uh, marketing functions uh, primarily, and then moved from that to healthcare, uh, medical device marketing with Johnson & Johnson and was there for almost eight years. The degree in business, combined with a solid uh, liberal arts undergraduate degree, gave me a confidence that I could make that industry transition. And uh, one of the beauties of an MBA degree, and I'm not saying this just because I'm the assistant dean of an MBA program, <laughs> doesn't but hurt. But truly, truly. But truly, truly. <laughs> the MBA degree is a beautiful degree because of its flexibility. It really does position you for legitimate uh, engagement of such a broad range of careers and industries. I tell young people all the time, you have to be prepared not only for the options that you're aware of, but for the future, which hasn't been written yet. I love to point out that I spent 11 years of my career in the personal computer business, in that industry. Well, that industry was created, or started, if you will, with uh, uh, Wozniak and Jobs and Palo Alto Garage in 1978 in the first uh, Apple PC. Well, I graduated from college in 1979. I had no way of knowing that that would develop into an industry that I would spend the largest single chunk of my career in. But I had a good liberal arts foundation and that combined with an MBA degree from a strong program allowed me to participate in that industry very effectively, even though I didn't know that that's what I was preparing for when I was in college or even in graduate school for that matter. 
And that's, that's the beauty of the right, the, having the, a degree pathway and a platform that just opens your options up to so many different things. And now I'm in academia, and again, my MBA degree has prepared me for the administrative responsibilities mm-hmm. of admissions, of career services, of student life. All those relate back to disciplines that were really, uh, the foundation was laid in my MBA program. So you were in corporate America, city planning, Mm -hmm. and then you were also a consultant. That's right. Uh, Were you self-employed? You know, I had uh, three years where my primary uh, employment was a a consulting practice that I started called uh, Forward Motion uh, Management Consulting. And uh, that ended up being the bridge. I didn't know that that was the case at the time. But that ended up being the bridge that led to my engagement in this academic post. I, as a management consultant, after 19 years in the corporate world, I, I had a desire to to do this thing that I had always expected would be a part of my uh, career experience, and I hadn't gotten around to it. And that was the chance to work with uh, small and medium-sized businesses and to help them leverage the type of sophisticated uh, business tools that uh, big corporations uh typically have access to, whether it's uh, market development strategy, if it's uh, human resources strategy, uh, marketing uh, strategies, et cetera. And as it turned out, a number of my clients were academic clients, uh, a uh, college or two, uh, some charter schools. Uh, so I was working with everything from high school students to, uh, to graduate programs. And I found that although I had corporate clients as well, that those academic clients were probably the most fun. I just enjoyed them. I enjoyed working with that mission of education, and it was wonderful to discover that you could support the mission of education, which I've always thought was very valuable, without necessarily being that resource standing in the front of the classroom. There's a lot of other pieces to keeping the wheels of an educational institution operating, whether it's a college, a high school, or a graduate program. And I was able to bring value to the, to, the, to them as a consultant. And when one of those clients, having to be called St. Thomas, asked me to consider a, a, a permanent position with them, I, I was ready to take that move. And that's how I ended up here in Minneapolis. I am a high school student, high school senior. I am in college, thinking that maybe I might want to go forth and get into higher education, what advice would you give somebody in that position who perhaps hasn't even started their career yet, based on what you know now, based on the years that you've been in your career? What is the single thing or the couple of things that you would say to them now? There's so many aspects to being in the academic world, uh, so many different options, And it's probably not going to be apparent to the typical high school senior what aspect they want to participate in. What's most visible to all of us is the teacher in the front of the classroom. Uh, That's something that you prepare yourself for as an option. And uh, obviously attending to studies, moving on, being committed to not just a college degree, but also a graduate degree, uh, all is part of that. But... I think the secret to success is finding something that you're passionate about. I think the, the ideal job 
is the job that you would pay to do, but you found a way that they will pay you to do it. And it takes some time sometimes to find what that thing is. And so I've really been blessed because I am uh, someone who's been a bit self-indulgent in my career. If I've found that I no longer enjoy what I'm doing, I will leave and do something else. Some people suffer all their, their lives in careers that they don't enjoy. I've been very blessed uh, in every job that I've been in to, uh, as, as long as I've been in that job, I've been doing something that I'm passionate about and that I enjoy doing, whether it was uh, figuring out how to market consumer PCs or uh, figuring out how to develop new medical devices or open up new markets for medical devices in countries that didn't have a lot of advanced surgical uh, resources, or now being a part of a business school and helping young people prepare themselves for their future careers or helping us identify uh, the right candidates to be a part of this business program. I, it, it's all things that I love to do. I spend my weekends oftentimes doing some of the same things that I do during the week, talking to students, high school students, preparing them for case competitions, sharing with them my experience of uh, how to navigate uh, the work world, how to uh, work effectively in teams. It, it's something I enjoy doing. And so my advice to young people is to have broad experiences, have experiences in different spaces. Uh, you may think that I only love uh, English and history, but take a science course or two. Take, tell the uh, engineers, take a writing course or two. I tell everyone, study abroad. Experience people from cultures other than your own. Experience places that you've never seen. And uh, you don't know what is going to be the thing that you get excited about that's going to pique your interest and it will become the thing that you would do even if you had to pay to do it. But hopefully someone will pay you to do it. So, there are some challenges in the world of education these days. Um, and I'm thinking primarily of challenges associated with the economy, perhaps. Talk to us about what that looks like for not just St. Thomas, but any university across the United States these days? Well, that's a great question, and you're absolutely right. Uh, I think that in the late 90s and going through the mid-2000s were actually great boom years for, uh, for graduate education. Uh, that's when St. Thomas seen a lot of its growth. We had two new buildings here that were built in the mid-2000s, one here, one on the uh, St. Paul campus just for the business school. And uh, we've seen dramatic growth. At one point, we were one of the largest graduate business programs, not just in Minnesota, but in the country. Wow. Uh, and then I arrived here in 2007. And we had, uh, as you might remember, a few economic challenges in 2007, 2008. Yep. And it's dramatically affected our, uh, our enrollments. Uh, but we have also seen some great opportunities because this time period was also the time period we launched a full-time MBA program, and that has given us an opportunity to be not only a, a factor in the local and regional space, but also national. Uh, having said that, we are still feeling the effects of the, the down economy, and that down economy has affected not only our business program, but uh, other business schools in the area and business schools around the country. So enrollments are still maybe a bit below where we uh, would like them to be, but uh, we've been very blessed in terms of positioning uh, 
this art, what we do is exceptionally well. And on a national basis, we've been very blessed in terms of attracting some wonderful, dynamic faculty. One of the things that we're very proud of, and perhaps the down economy helped us with this, is that we've attracted uh, one, a, a fabulous uh, set of uh, young, energetic faculty, including 10 African-American faculty, uh, which gives us one of the largest proportions of uh, PhD uh, tenure-track faculty of of any business school of any size in the country. Yeah. yeah. So we're very proud of that. We also have the largest ethics faculty, business ethics faculty of any school in the country. So we have some really uh, special things about this program that I think makes it a very relevant, very timely program for n- not just our local Twin Cities community in the state of Minnesota, but I think makes this uh, a special value proposition, if you will, for uh, a business on looking for graduate business education from anywhere in the country. One of the things that prompted the conversation between you and I is because you are doing some pretty interesting things with your MBA program. Talk to me about your outreach scholarship. Well, that is another example, I think, of uh, seeing an intersection of needs and even leveraging things like a, a difficult economy and seeing that as perhaps an opportunity. Uh, in the uh, uh, the 90s and the early 2000s, getting into a graduate business edu- program was kind of similar to like trying to get into California real estate. People were mortgaging their homes and their lives because once you got onto that gravy train, you knew life was golden. And uh, people had a sense that, hey, I just get to get that, that magical three letters on my resume and I'm going to be guaranteed a fabulous career and I'll just take on the, the costs and mortgage my house and family and everything else to get that. People are a lot more thoughtful and concerned about uh, making those major investments now. And so I see our students being much more concerned about getting deep into debt to finance their education, and not just our students, but again, it's a phenomenon that's nationwide. And at the same time, as I mentioned, our enrollments, we've, we've built this infrastructure and we've had some capacity that not necessarily being fully utilized. I was able to engage our dean, who's a very progressive and uh, dynamic uh, educator, Dr. Christopher Puto, and we talked about this intersection of what we are hearing from corporations, that they're looking for talent that is, uh, represents a broad range of backgrounds, that is geographically flexible, that uh, represents America, and uh, represents, uh, you know, they're looking for gender balance, they're looking for ethnic balance, and they're looking for schools that could bring that to the table. And as you can imagine, bringing especially ethnic balance uh, to Minnesota that represents the country is not necessarily something that comes easy. It's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, for some reason, people hear about Minnesota winners, and it makes them think twice about you know, making that transition here. Now, at the same time, it's an opportunity because, as I mentioned, we do have uh, a fabulous infrastructure in terms of corporate representation here. People don't realize the Twin Cities is actually the number three city in the country in terms of corporate headquarters, Fortune 500 companies. And that makes it a pretty attractive place to be. We also have a fabulous quality of life. But Minnesota is not very high in the profile of nationally recognized MBA programs. And and it's also not very high in the consideration set for African Americans who grew up outside of uh, the Twin Cities or for other ethnic minorities. 
and that representation was also lacking in our program. I approached the dean. I said, we have an opportunity here. We are looking to create a national reputation and presence. We have great relationships with our local minority professional groups, groups like the National Black MBA Association, uh, the National Society of Hispanic MBAs, National Association of Black Accountants, uh, the uh, National Association of, Association of African Americans and Human Resources. All these are organizations that have regularly have meetings on our campus. In some cases, we have officers who are staff members of our of our school who are are on the uh, the boards of these local uh, chapters of these national organizations. Uh, myself, uh, my wife, and uh, some of the faculty here were involved in training. Uh, the first uh, National Black MBA Leaders of Tomorrow program, which is a high school program, to actually participate in a national case competition along with 23 other chapters of National Black MBA from around the country. That happened because of the support that the National Black MBA was able to receive from the University of St. Thomas along with great corporate sponsors like Target. So we have this great relationship, and we weren't really leveraging it to drive one of our key priorities, which is to get that representation of of talent in our programs. The Outreach Scholarship gave us a chance to leverage that reputation and that relationship to get the word out broadly, nationally, that we had a great program and we had, in fact, for well-qualified candidates, a great value proposition. A full two-year, full tuition paid scholarship, and not just one or two, but 15 of those scholarships for uh, professionals of uh, minority background to get their full-time MBA program here at St. Thomas. So this is the full-time curriculum. This is not the evening program. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, our sense has always been uh, two things. One, an evening MBA student is someone who is working full-time, and frankly, most of our evening students are getting substantial financial support from their employers. So there's already a financial access uh, capacity that's uh, being bridged by, these, uh, by, by the local employers to help uh, their employees, including employees of color, access a part-time MBA program. Part-time is a great option, and it's our largest program, and it continues to be an important program, an important offering for us. But we felt that the full-time MBA program, where we're really requiring a student to step away from their employment for two years, and in exchange, we're providing a more uh, immersive experience, a more comprehensive experience that really is a great platform for not just accelerating your career path, as you would find in a part-time student going through that graduate degree, but really transforming or maybe uh, changing direction. We see a lot of career changes coming into our programs, as well as full-time programs around the country, I'm in operations, but I've always wanted to be in finance. I'm in healthcare, but I'm really drawn to business-to-business, -to -business, uh, you know, uh, marketing. And that, and and the full-time program is really the best option for that type of transformational progression in your career. And that option is frankly not widely available, to, especially for people of color who may not have the finances to be able to step away from their employment. So this is making that option available to a, a segment of the community that we feel has been underserved, frankly. How many of these scholarships do you have? We have 15 that we're offering for uh, the fall of 2012. What makes an individual a good candidate? We're looking for 
people who have demonstrated leadership, who have significant work experience, we prefer two years or more of experience, and who have a desire to make a difference, and who not just have that desire, but individuals who have, can demonstrate how they've made a difference, how they've been of service, whether it's uh, going above and beyond in their employment or in their community. The uh, memberships in uh, organizations, whether it's uh, faith-based, whether it's a professional organization like uh, National Black MBA and Neshemba, for example, all those are demonstrations of someone who is willing to and eager to make an impact in the world. And uh, of course, we're looking for solid academic backgrounds as well. What kind of response have you received to the program so far? Have you fin have you finished your recruiting, or are you still? Can people still apply for the scholarship? That's a great question. And actually, April fifteenth was the uh, the deadline for applications for the fall of twenty twelve. But we're already now opening conversations around people who are interested in attending school starting in the fall of twenty thirteen. But the response that we've gotten is one of the most exciting things about this program. We've actually uh, had an internal estimate that promotion of this program on a national basis, we hoped would get us in perhaps an incremental 80 to maybe 120 inquiries that we would field from that, from that pool. We would yield our 15 scholarship recipients. We've actually had uh, over 200 inquiries, wow. uh, which has just been exciting. And just I can't tell you how much fun it's been to, to engage uh, these young professionals from around the country who have an interest in uh, taking their career to the next level and having St. Thomas be a part of that transformation. Uh, folks that we would, I'm sure, been unlikely to have heard from. You know, I, my phone it rings because my phone is, number has actually been a part of the promotion of this thing, and I'll, I found myself talking to uh, a college senior uh, at Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. Uh, to uh, a woman working at the C CPA in uh, Brooklyn, New York, uh, a woman working in a chemical company in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, fabulous backgrounds, great energy, uh, exciting stories. Uh, a young man from uh, who was born in Nicaragua and uh, was an, uh, 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 immigrated with his mother to Miami when he was two years old and has started his own nonprofit. Uh, Wonderful stories, and they're coming to us because they're hearing, they're getting that visibility because of the uh, the scholarship and the partnerships that we've leveraged with uh, organizations like National Black MBA and Ashimba to get the word out. But then they have a chance to to hear our story, to to look at uh, the mission of the university, to see what's special about the St. Thomas experience, and it's creating some some great great visibility and engagement that I think is going to provide benefits to us and uh, for years to come. We are also even seeing that some of those uh, interests uh, are not necessarily aligned to our full-time program, but we're also seeing uh, some of those folks getting referred over to our healthcare MBA, to our executive MBA, to our uh, evening MBA program as well. So it's actually providing a benefit more broadly to uh, support the visibility of uh, all of the, the good things that are happening at St. Thomas. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle thespeedwayshow. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.